0: I'm excited this morning. Come on up, Drew, um, to introduce to you Drew Gerber. Drew is going to be preaching this morning. Drew is is a part of a, a mentor group that that we started several months ago uh, with a group of guys that that feel called to ministry, and so we've been getting together once a month. Um, Tuesday night will be our third time. Uh, we read they, have, they read a book every month and we discuss it. And along with that, uh, some of them will get the opportunity. To preach and to, to develop their, their skills in preaching and their ability to preach and so that we have men that are prepared uh, to serve here as well as prepared to serve in other places. And, and Drew is one of those guys, so I'm excited um, to, I, I got to hear him once already, and excited to hear him again, so I want to pray for him and turn the time over to him. Father, thanks for for Drew and, Lord, and Jill and Lord, I thank you for his calling to ministry and and the work that you're doing in his life. And Lord, uh, I pray now this morning that, that you would anoint him to speak the words that that you've given him throughout this week as he has studied and prepared. Uh, Father, that you would uh, recall his memory. And, and, and Lord, just allow him, Lord, I pray that he would be open to your spirit to move in the way that you desire for him to move and in the words that you desire for him to speak. And Lord, we will leave here encouraged, challenged, And changed in some way. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Um,
1: Just a little introduction here. For those of you that don't know me. Like Dwayne said. My name is Drew Gerber. I am married to Jill Gerber. For the last six years. And uh, in the first service. I had the uh, awesome experience. To uh, dedicate my 14 Month-old twin boys, which was awesome. Like Dwayne said, I'm part of the mentorship mentorship group here at Fairlawn, and it's been a just an awesome experience getting to know uh, Dwayne better as as well of the other guys that are in there with me. Uh, a little bit about myself: um, I'm attending Ohio Christian University. I'm finally seeing seeing the light here, where I'm about. Four to five weeks away from graduation, about one more class and then a little bit of uh, study. And I'll have degrees in uh, biblical studies and pastoral ministry. And I know some of you out there are probably saying, wow, Drew's up on the pulpit. So just bear with me here. And, uh, the last few weeks, we've been going through the book of Galatians. The Judaizers have moved into the church at Galatia. they've come in, they're preaching again legalism. They're preaching again ceremonial and ritualistic laws above or to go with salvation through Christ. In a lot of ways, we're facing the same struggles today that they faced back then. Modern day Judaizers. Different things the world's throwing our way, saying you're not right, you're intolerant. You're even bigots at that time. This is what's happening in Galatia right now. The Judaizers have come in. They're preaching their own agenda. They're preaching law. They're saying these things because I think it's important to realize they're Jews, just as Paul was a Jew. They're jealous. They see the relationship he's built with this church, and they're jealous. So it's like, let's swoop in. Let's. Swoop in when they're vulnerable, when their faith is new, after he's just left. Let's get in there now, and let's push our agenda of law so that maybe these Galatians will have the same relationship with us that they have with Paul. The last few weeks, we've seen a, a side of Paul, I mean, he's been, he's been angry. He can't believe it. He's, he's saying to them, I was just here, I just, I just told you about the grace God has poured out on you. I just told you about his son that I sent, that he sent for, to die and cleanse you of your sin. I was just here. You don't need these laws anymore. That's not what God wants out of you. He wants your faith. He doesn't want your self-righteous rituals and s- ceremonies. We're going to see a new side of Paul. He's not really mad anymore. In a way, I think a lot of parents on one side, children on the other, can relate to this pretty easily. It's that I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. When my brother and I, I think I was 10 or 11, I think Aaron was 8 or 9, one of our favorite things to do was wrestle each other in the living room. I know that sounds funny, but... We were kids. It was, we were two boys. We liked to throw each other around. Over and over, mom and dad would say, stop doing that. You're going to break something. This isn't a big living room. This isn't a gym. Over and over, they said, stop it. Obviously, we were children. We uh, kept going. You know, one day, I think Aaron might see it a little differently, but I'm sure I won the match that day by throwing him into the sewing box my mom's antique sewing box in the corner. So you can imagine the sewing box didn't win, and both legs collapsed. Seeing that and not wanting to hear those words that every child fears, wait till your father gets home, what did we do? Propped that bad boy up, went on our way. Now, I remember my mom sewing a lot, but she did fix our pants, our, 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 play, our play clothes, what have you. So she decides, this is disputed as well, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, I'm not sure. She decides, oh, they got some ripped pants. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to fix some of these. So she goes to the sewing box, opens the lid, and it collapses. Well, she's thinking, it didn't just break itself. And I remember... I do remember her being mad, but what I really remember—well, of course we were scared because, like, what's what she's going to tell Dad? He's going to get home, and that's uh, that's when the real punishment begins. But I remember them both standing there, and it wasn't so much that they were angry; it was more they gave us the the look, the just like, I mean, really, we we told you over and over again. Nothing good's going to happen out of wrestling in the living room. It w- this is the look I think we're seeing from Paul. I think this is the look the Galatians were getting at this point. It seems they've figured out arguing's getting them nowhere. A little disappointment has set in. He's kind of at, at the end. He's at his wit's end and he's, he's, he starts to plead with them. He even refers to them as little children because in the same way, we have our children. The church was Paul's children at the time. He wasn't married. He was putting everything, investing everything into these churches. So he's saying, you know, I just, I mean, I'm disappointed. I can't believe you guys would, would revert back to such ways so quickly. I was just here. A lot of scholars say Paul was only gone for, I've seen anything from a month to two months to a year. Most of them agree he hadn't been gone that long. I'm going to read, uh, if you want to turn with me in your Bibles, to Galatians 4. We'll start in chapter 8 and go through verse 20. Uh, Right now I'll read 8 through 11. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Paul's saying, once again, was everything, was I here? I mean, for no reason did I, did I explain to you where salvation comes from, the blood of Christ. It, it, it's, it's fairly easy. I just explained it to you. Why now are you letting yourselves succumb to these Judaizers, succumb to these laws they preach you. You were living in sin before I got here. You were pagans. You were worshiping deities that the Bible says are not even gods. You were making idols. I came. You took me in. I explained to you where, how God is pouring out his grace, where salvation comes from the blood of Christ, and still you turn away from me. This isn't the first time this has happened. We could, we could see kind of a cycle. Old Testament days, it seems like every time somebody, a group, a church, would get mad at God and say, you're not providing. You know, everything isn't going their way. They'd revert back to idolatry. If you have a Bible, you could turn with me to Jeremiah 2.11. And in Jeremiah 2.11, the prophet says, Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Again, he says in Jeremiah 16.20 this time, Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Now, this had to take the Galatians back a little bit. They had to stop and think, Wait a minute. We're not building altars. We're not, we're not building things out of wood and brass and metal and worshiping them. But Paul says, that's, that's not my point here. My point is, you're making the law. You're putting the law above Christ. He says, you're reverting back to things that fulfill your self-righteousness. Now, you're not reaching out to God Paul's message throughout Galatians has been about not getting hung up on the law. He's, he's not, let's be clear, he's not talking about moral law. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments here. He's talking about ceremonial, ritualistic law. In verse 12, this is Galatians four twelve, he says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. It's important to remember Paul is a Jew. Paul has lived under these same laws that the Judaizers are now coming back in and telling the Galatians they have to live by. He says, these are the same laws that I got caught up in that actually caused me to persecute people like you, to persecute the other Jews, the other Christians. These are the laws. This is what the law does to you. It, it steers you in the wrong direction. Instead of just accepting the grace God has poured out on you, Keith like said it great here today. There was, before that, there was, no, there was no way for redemption. Before Christ, there was no way to wipe your sins clean. And that's what I was here. That's what I told you. We live in a different time, but still have a lot of the same struggles here. It was almost harder for the church to, to get steered in the wrong direction back then because someone had to actually physically, like these Judaizers, move in and try to manipulate the church. We live in a world now, as I look out, I'm sure, I don't know, half of this congregation's probably reading these verses along with me on a phone or an iPad or a Kindle or whatever it might be. What we have to realize is These modern-day Judaizers, these people that want to call us intolerant, call us bigots, steer us in the wrong direction, say we're not showing love because we're following this guideline we have in Scripture. It's easy for the Bible to be taken out of context. And when you have access to it so quickly without being entrenched in it, without actually studying it and understanding what it means— It's easy to take it out of context and use it as a tool, even against the people that believe it, that believe in the literal translation of it. Verse 13, Paul goes on to say, You know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Jesus Christ. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children. There we see them bringing it down to their level. For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Perplexed. Paul says he is just, he just can't believe it. He says, and there's a lot of speculation here about these last few verses. I've read many things. A lot of people will say the bodily ailment Paul's talking about is maybe weepy eyes or something with his eyesight still from the uh, ill effects of Damascus. At the same time, other scholars will say, well, you know, Paul ended up there because this area, I suppose it was mosquitoes, I don't know, gave him malaria. And so some say that maybe Paul suffered from epilepsy. Still another uh, ailment related to his journey in Damascus. He says, listen, I wasn't even... Supposed to be here. It wasn't even, you weren't even on my list. As we know, Paul usually went to the areas with the highest concentration of people. Paul was out to reach the masses, to build the church up. And he says, This is how much God loves you. He made me sick so I'd stop here and bring the love of Christ to you, to preach you salvation by the blood of Christ, not throw you into the bondage of law. As these Judaizers are doing. You've let these Judaizers poison your mind with ritualistic and ceremonial law. And because it makes you feel better, because it fulfills your self-righteousness, it makes you feel good about yourself, you think, oh, God's probably going to be pretty happy with me because I did this. Because I did this. He's saying, you know, salvation doesn't lie in you becoming circumcised, Salvation doesn't lie in you celebrating these different holidays. And because of this, and I'm telling you this isn't correct, now you've made me your enemy. When I was here before, I wasn't even looking very good. I was sick, and you love me because I brought you hope. I brought you the fact that accept Christ and everyone will reach salvation. Now you're mad. Because I'm telling you what the Judaizers are telling you is not correct. I think we've all, I'm a pretty young parent. Like I said, my children are only 14 months old. But I think a lot of us out here, a lot of us, especially you parents with, uh, you know, grown-up children, have had a time where you've seen them go down the wrong path, where you've tried to, to build them up, you've tried to do your best to explain to them how to live a godly life, only to see them turn away from it at some point and walk away. I think we've seen that with people in the church, people we've really thought, wow, they are so grounded in Scripture, they, their faith is just unshakable, only to hear, a few days later, a few months later, a few years later, that they walked away. Something happened in their life. Someone affected them. Someone told them that what they were doing wasn't true, and they bought into it. At this point, I really think Paul is just so hurt now. I think that he might even be sitting there crying, pleading, pleading, as he pens this letter to the Galatians, saying, please, if, if you do anything, please come back to Christ. That is where the true salvation is. Before we had Christ, we had no way. We were all lost. There was no way we could be saved. It is only because of the justification that happened at the cross that you can have eternal life. A few challenges for everybody today. Parents, I think it's, it's vital that we're devoted to the Scripture today. It's, it's vital that we understand that there are forces, there are people in the world that are coming after us. It's not just us individually. It's not just us as families. There's whole denominations struggling right now with what the world's telling them, calling them ignorant, calling them intolerant, calling them bigots because they choose to follow Scripture instead of becoming one with what society says is okay. You need to live through that scripture as the example to your children. When they see you fighting this off, being biblical, following scripture, living your life that's worthy of God, then your children have no other option but to watch you and learn from you and understand that this is, this is what I need to do. Not just talking to parents, but young adults out there. Maybe you're planning on a family. The same thing goes for you. I know a lot of our young adults here at Fairlawn. It's fantastic because we're very missional. Go out. And as you're doing that, you're studying discipleship. You're studying how to go out and reach these people. We'll study, too, how to raise your family. The Bible's full of great references on how to do this. And I'd have a, a word for the children I know, and there's probably quite a few people in the congregation today that know that I didn't always follow what my parents told me growing up. I didn't always follow what the godly people in my life were doing. I've been there. I understand. It's hard at times. The world throws a lot at us. But children, look at your parents. Look at your parents as examples of Christ here. Learn from their strength. Watch them. Become involved. Get into the Bible yourself. Discuss it with them. Ask questions. It's easy to revert back to legalism because it's easy. Follow this set of rules. Perform this certain ceremony. Engage in this certain ritual. And everything's going to be perfect. There's a lot of new religions sprouting up right now. We talk about these a lot in... uh, my schooling and the different discussion forums. They talk about these different religions just popping up all over the place. And the one thing that is a constant is at the base of these is that they're easy. A lot of them teach, you're a God, you're your own God. Only you, through works, can come to your own salvation. Well, that's pretty easy. I just got to behave myself, do some good things for somebody, help an old lady cross the street. I'll get into heaven. Paul's saying that's not true at all. He says, we know this is not the case because Paul already told us. The justification that happened at the cross is the only path to salvation. Paul's a parent pleading with these children to say, please, I taught you. I came here for a reason. God made me sick for a reason to reach you so that you can go out and spread the word as well. We have to keep up with what the world's throwing at us. No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, we have to stay in the Scripture. We have to know what to do when the world throws these things at us. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, be an example. Go back, accept Christ, forget these laws and accept the undeserved salvation He's offered you. Will you stand with me? Lord, I just pray that we would uh, remember the sacrifices made for us. I would pray for a constant reminder that even when things get tough and the world turns its back on us, that we are saved because you saved us. I would pray that you would lift each and every person in the congregation up as they strive to bring honor and glory to you. I would pray that you would... Remind us, remind them daily that it is because of you that someday we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because of you saving us, we are saved. There is no other way but the cross. I would pray that you would just guide our hearts and anoint our lips with the things you would like us to share. Give us tough skin when the world wants to throw these different things at us. And build up your kingdom here on earth that we can honor and glorify you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.